What's going on, Trophy Kids? We got an awesome one here for you today. We are talking about uh, Texas and Oklahoma officially accepting their bid to the SEC. We are breaking down the Big Ten. It's a big one. Uh, we're talking a little NBA free agency, U.S. Olympic team. It's a great episode. The boys are back for this one. Let's go. Welcome Trophy Kids presented by Bad News Media. It is August 4th. We have the crew return here. Dante and Tim are on the line. We're going to talk some college football. I'm excited, boys. And we'll talk some other things too. NBA free agency a little bit. We're going to we're going to dabble around, jump around, but I am I'm jacked. I heard the Hard Knocks music today on Twitter because they threw out the first trailer. I've been doing my breakdowns. We're going to have the AFC West on Friday for you all. I just finished my breakdown of the Big Ten, which we'll dive into talking about the Big 12 a little bit. You know it's football season when I start drinking a pot a pot and a half of coffee a day. And I'm up until about one in the morning breaking down teams. But I am more than excited, gentlemen. How are we doing we today? We do not recommend that for <laughs> oh anyone. Oh, my goodness. Okay? That's not... I was going to say doing great, advice. but it doesn't sound like that over there. I know yeah. <laughs> My goodness. A pot and a half of coffee. It, there's just... Until 1 a.m. We got... Yeah, I was up until about one-ish last night breaking down... Oh. AFC West, Big Ten, football, diving a little bit into the Pac-12, which I initially am thinking that's going to be one of the most compelling, interesting conferences this this year in college football. We'll get to it because we got some some big landscape news here. But yeah, it's been it's grinded season now. But yeah, I am happy to be back. I'm happy it's football season coming up here shortly. Um, a little disappointed that the summer's probably going to be over here soon, but I don't really care now that football season's coming up. I mean, yeah, I, I'm the same way. Actually, what am I saying? No, I don't agree with Tim. I hate the summer. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, so I am excited for the fall to be get here. Also, I'm excited for uh, September to get here because I will be going to the Northwestern MSU game to kick off the season. Uh, so, yes, I am very excited. It's going to be good. Um, On that note, college football, the landscape has officially changed. And by officially, we all knew it was coming as soon as the news started to break. But Oklahoma and Texas have accepted their bids to the SEC, which won't take place until, what, 2025? Um, yes. unless, unless they buy themselves out or the Big 12 dissolves. So the landscape is shifting. What are our initial reactions to this? How are we feeling? I briefly gave some stuff on Friday, but I didn't really go into it since it hadn't been come officially yet. But now that it is official, how are we feeling? Well, I think we don't see OU and Texas stay for four more years like or three more years. That's oh, not going to no. happen. Yeah. No. So I think they'll probably make the jump next year or the year after. One is just a contingent, like on a business level. Like you don't want those ba- that, that bad blood in there. Two, I think they have enough money to buy out these TV contracts. Just, I, yeah. Yeah, I heard somewhere that the Long Arm Network would – basically cover the fee when they get bought out of the Longhorn Network um, deal. It would cover their fee to be able to buy out of the Big 12. So that could be happening. Um, I don't know. I'm kind of undecided about it. I love the fact that it seems like college football is going to like four super conferences. Um, and that's kind of what this move signals to me. But um I'm worried about it as a Big Ten fan because I feel like the Big Ten is just going to sit there and do nothing about this. Um, mm-hmm. And we're going to get either stuck with Kansas's dumpster fire of a football team or do nothing. And then we'll be stuck with the same product that we have, which is 
good, but not great. So. Yeah. Yes, I echo that sentiment. Uh, and I don't see why. And I sexist to tell me he was just like, "What are what are you talking about?" But we could we could pick some of these SEC teams out of there too. They got too many. They have too many. So, have too many, and some of them make sense in the Big Ten. I mean, yeah, you some could of them go out sense. there. Yeah. You could go out there. You could get Kentucky. I mean, Kentucky mm-hmm. would fit perfectly in the Big Ten. There would Kentucky be some huge Kansas. Midwest rivals. Um, Imagine Kentucky and Ohio State mm-hmm. and Indiana, the way their football team's going right now. Um, you'd have both them in college football and college basketball. I mean, that's one of the ones that makes sense to me. And then West Virginia um, makes sense to me to pull them out of the Big 12. If you're going, if you're limiting yourself to two big names, those are kind of the two teams that I'd be looking at. Because I know Ohio State sadly won't let Cincinnati in the team in in the conference, but I mean, well, I think they should. Yeah, yeah, and it's not a foregone conclusion that the Big Twelve is officially done. I think those sure. the ads and the presidents are going to have a meeting here sometime soon, and they're going to need to collectively decide: Are we hey, are we fighting to keep our conference alive, and what moves do we need to make to make that happen, or are we dissolving? And if we dissolve, it's an arms race at that point, and you know what teams go where we talk about football because it is king i mean it's the king of all sports but basketball is one of the more affected i think products and basketball has a little bit more fluidity with out of conference games um we know that but in conference i mean the big 12 is a ginormous basketball conference you know the value that some of those programs offer is big um and the sec is growing there as well they have questions. I mean, West Virginia makes a lot of sense in the ACC. I kind of tweeted this out. You know, if I'm the Big Ten ADs and presidents and head of the conference of both the Big Ten, ACC, and the Pac-12, for that matter, I'm getting on the. I'm at least starting to have conversations of, of if this conference is going to dissolve or at least start and make initial phone calls because you do not want to be left out. Right now, the Big Ten is the biggest money generator in college yes. football, surprisingly enough. Um, they they Surprisingly dominate. Surprisingly enough, what does hey, that mean? I was going to say, the way, hey. let, me, let me rephrase that. The way the media talks about the SEC and how we hype it up, you would think the SEC generates more money revenue-wise. That is not the case. Now, their contract... The bottom of the SEC is, is garbage. Right. Uh, so... Yeah. <laughs> The Big Ten still generates a ton of money, but there is value to me. Yes, Kansas is a dumpster fire football program, football. but they're a great yeah. basketball ad. You know, West Virginia, maybe they come in, they feel more natural given their old ties to the old Big East and the teams that got absorbed into the ACC to fit into the ACC more so, but they're an option there. There are the Iowa States of the world, and it, it goes on and on, but the Big 12 is not takes, foregone. Yeah. yeah. It's going to be interesting to see what the move is. There are moves yeah. that the Big 12 could make to stay alive, though. If you're Baylor... Right? How do you? How are you feeling right now? Nervous, very, very nervous, very yeah. nervous. Right? Yeah. They're gonna be. I think they'll be a Pac-12 team pretty quickly here. They're a big Stay loser. There. Yeah, I think. Yeah, if, you. But lose they did lose big. Yeah. Initially, I was thinking, you know, these with the moving and the shifting of the landscape, the the smaller schools weren't really going to be affected. I'm slowly starting to change that take because if. Big 12, if the teams come together and they say, you know what, we want to keep this conference, we want to fight to keep it somewhat legitimate, UC might benefit. They got to help out West Virginia that the travel for West Virginia is terrible. UC might benefit there. The Houstons of the world might benefit there. It's just, 
I think the other part that sucks is we're going to lose Bedlam. We're going to lose some big time rivalry games. We keep the Red River rivalry with with Texas, Oklahoma. It's just college football's product is so much in grind and tradition and rivalries and things like that. And as we see the shifting landscape, that is something we're going to lose. For better or worse, that is now changed with Oklahoma and Texas. Because while they might be the only schools, it's it's possible. I don't think it's the likely outcome. I think we're going to see... I said it kind of on Friday's podcast. We're going to see the country divided into fours. Big Ten will have mostly the Midwest. Pac-12 will have the West Coast. SEC will have the South. And ACC will run from the Northeast to what I consider South Light. Um, and that's kind of what we're going to have. But it's interesting. It's a, it's a dynamic landscape right now. Um, if, you know, the Big 12 wants to stay alive and they're, they're looking for a team, a marquee program, a, a product of the highest quality. I have a team um, who goes by the Cornhuskers. <laughs> <laughs> and we can, they're coached by Scott Frost. <laughs> yeah. You could say coached. I would use that light word lightly. (laughs) (laughs) And they can be the flagship program of the Big 12. Yeah. I'm willing to let them go. There you go. That's the Big 12's move. We just gave it to them. Nebraska and Houston, you got your 10 teams back. You're good to go. Sayonara. See ya. Cincinnati, come on down. Kentucky, (laughs) come on down. Tennessee, if you want to keep... Stop getting your ass beat down in the SEC. Come on up. I mean, we're all good. We'll, we'll take it all. We'll take Kansas, but not their football. The, Kansas has to dissolve football. Yep. They have to become a basketball-only school. Basketball-only school. That's it. Look, the Big Ten has, what is it, like St. John's or whatever as a member of the the Big Ten lacrosse? Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, they dip in there. Right, and our the uh, hockey has what two teams that are a bunch of northern Michigan teams, yeah, I'm sure. yeah, that are in the Big Ten. We could do the same thing with basketball. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I'm totally down with it. For the SEC, it's a big win basketball-wise, too, because Texas and Oklahoma are both solid programs to add to the SEC roster of already growing programs. Um, the football move was like I get it makes sense for Oklahoma a little bit. It's still. And we saw Ohio State recently, their AD came out wanting to put a pause on the playoff talk of expansion. I had initially said, I think Oklahoma moving to the SEC signals the expansion is is all but a foregone conclusion. Because the money, the money is going to be better because the SEC television deal rights are going to be up here in a couple of years to renegotiate. But right now, it's not a dramatic move in revenue for Oklahoma based on how things are going currently. Their revenue split with the big 12 they're getting like 40 million a year you add the 2 million on if they make the playoffs or whatever they're going to get 45 in the sec if they were in there today like it's not ginormous it's going to be bigger in the year's future but their competitive edge to making the playoffs is dramatically changed by going to by going to the sec and i think yeah. i think they'll they'll be fine eventually but it was an interesting move when they did that. Texas is still going to suck, I think. I, I know all these people are like, well, they're going to have new recruiting avenues and all this. It's like, yeah, but you're still competing with the Georgias, the LSUs, the Auburn, or Alabamas of the world, the SEC schools. Like, yeah, you might get a couple guys that you maybe wouldn't have gotten that want to stay, you know, want to play in the SEC in the state of Florida but aren't getting offered by Florida or aren't getting offered by Alabama that may not have gone to Texas had they not been in the SEC, but it's not going to change dramatically. Like, they're still going to be middle of the pack. 
I don't Texas think... is always going to be Texas. When you recruit arrogant kids, they play with a they don't have a chip on their shoulder. You know what's a fun fact I learned too? Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt any takes here. I think we're a little bit delayed. You know Texas has the biggest operating budget of all college football programs. They spend the I... most money on their op like they they spend the most money out of every college football program. <laughs> to go I what? Saw that Senate hearing. <laughs> that where, was hilarious. Yeah. Yeah, when they got ripped <laughs> apart in there, so. Um, she was like, I hope the SEC knows what they're getting into. (laughs) We'll put that clip in. I'll, I'll, I'll enter that clip right about here for the listeners. If you haven't seen it, absolute savage. She's like, yeah, just to go three and seven against TCU last couple of years. (laughs) Oh my goodness. I mean, we've seen conference expansions and closings before, like you alluded to the big East, um, with it, that changing. So, I mean, as the, as the landscape for amateur sports continues to change, we'll see more big moves until it settles down for a few years, and then we'll it'll move again. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, Oklahoma is also going to have to beef up that defense too if they're playing SEC football. Because no, 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 you just score a hundred points. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the SEC is slightly moving in that direction. They they aren't as defense as focused. I mean. We've seen that with Alabama. Alabama is still phenomenal defense, but the offense has taken over. There, you know, it used to be defense wins championships. Alabama offense has been winning championships. Not to say the defense is bad. It's apparently going to be elite this year, um, from what I've been hearing and reading. I think Oklahoma once again they'll be fine. It's going to be harder. They've dominated a conference for years now. I mean, they've won what six straight championships or something like that. They've had pretty much an automatic bid to be in the conversation of the playoffs every year. That's going to change when they go to the SEC, but I think they'll simulate just fine. Texas is going to—they're going to muck it up like always, though. Yeah, and then they'll be looking for their next move in twenty-five years. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> as soon as their contracts up. I I did not like Jay Billis entering the conversation saying that the ACC and SEC should just merge and we should just have a junior NBA and NFL with those two conferences. I hated that idea. That I do not want to see. I still want to see see four major conferences. At least. I don't really want to see that, but what he's saying in theory I don't hate. I want to see a big, like, 64-team, multiple-division football conferences – um, and leave all the other sports alone. Just football? So, Just football. 64 teams. Rele- you can have relegation and stuff. I mean, relegation I would be, would be interesting. I mean, that would be really hard. <laughs> it would never work, I don't think, but it would be interesting. Yeah, what 64 teams do you pick? Well, I guess you pick more than 64 teams. You pick, what, so you pick 64. And do regular teams. Oh, the rest oh. of them can go kick rocks. Jeez, that sounds yeah. I don't. I don't know. like that. I don't like that because <laughs> I don't know if MSU makes that playing field. True. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> not currently. Oh, wait a minute. Maybe not. Definitely not Maybe currently. Maybe we do. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't I that. Know. I guess that brings up a, a a solid not the MSU point but the, the six four teams. There are now one thing we do have to be people need to be conscious about. There's gonna be a lot of reporting and rumors coming out now about conference for the alignment. We've already seen that with Clemson and Florida State, who their rights aren't up until like twenty thirty five. Yeah, um, that's crazy when I saw that. <laughs> yeah. I also thought it was hilarious. They immediately were like, Well their streaming numbers aren't great. As if that was the conversation. It's a bit of a point because they they're in SEC markets, so you know logically mm-hmm. their fans are probably or, they're already tuned into the SEC given where they play. But 
the value brand isn't, I guess, there, but also, still. it's, it's a ridiculous. bad, I don't care what anybody says, that's a bad move for Clemson. Yeah, I'd agree. I'm, but it's also similar to Oklahoma in a way. I mean, the ACC. I think yeah. Oklahoma was tied to Texas, though. They were, yes. I'm just yeah. talking about from like a competitive standpoint. It's very similar. Yeah, like, where they both. Like, I don't think Oklahoma had much of a choice once Texas is like, hey, we're, we're out. Like, I'd agree. Like, what, is, what does Michigan do if Ohio State jumps ship? <laughs> they're fucked is what they do but yeah, yeah. No, that would suck shut yeah. it all down yeah, <laughs> yeah just <laughs> shut the program down yeah it's a good point yeah. I mean at least with the ACC the other, the other dumb thing with the ACC is because they have Notre Dame sort of adjacent aligned with their conference now they have to play five games every year with the ACC there's value like the ACC is sort of a sleeping giant like they have programs that if they wake the fuck up Miami, Florida State Virginia Tech they're in the mix for a, a profitable, high-sustaining football conference. Those programs just need to wake the fuck up. Been underperforming like ten years, huh? Fifteen years. I say, how long have those programs been underperforming? Like oh, 10 dude. years. Oh well, <laughs> Justin Fort Fort Forte. Yeah, at Virginia Tech, dude. He is he is on the he's on a hot seat right now. <laughs> Miami, yeah, they they're weird right now. But Virginia Tech, when they before him was competitive and fine florida state you know it wasn't too long ago Jameis was there um yeah it's just it's a tough road for those programs but if they wake up and they play better and they recruit better i mean there's there are somewhat of sleeping giants in the acc they just need to wake the fuck up yeah what is what is notre dame doing this year what do you mean are they just playing their normal like yeah they're just playing five five acc games and then doing whatever which sucks because i had the rerun of last year's acc championship on last last night and i was like it was kind of cool to have notre dame be a part like the hey, most watched game last in a fucking conference i agree but it was <laughs> i'm i'm with you um the most watched game last year was clemson notre dame so like Ugh. there's real revenue add to there but they are the winner sort of of this being independent or they and it sucks they can't do this i was gonna say or they should make it where notre dame has to play who's ever in first place of the acc at whatever time but then if Notre Dame sucks that year, yeah, that's a disservice to that team. Notre Dame's got an interesting schedule this year. They it's they've got some teams that are gonna challenge them for sure. I mean, they gotta play UC like week three. Um which will be interesting. Um But yeah, it's an ever shifting ground. I don't know if you had any more on just kind of this whole realignment thing. We're not going to know for a while. The good, it's sort of like the NIL. Well, we don't know the good and bad. Change is inevitable. We'll mm-hmm. see how it works. Um, the college football brand is so tied to though a lot of pageantry, rivalries, things like that. So I hope yep. we can keep that intact. We're going to lose Bedlam, which sucks, I think. Oklahoma has zero incentive to keep that going once they join the SEC. Mm-hmm. Um, and it'll be interesting yeah, to see what happens. do it type. like every three years or something like that. Yeah, every, we might yeah. get that. But they have zero... Like, why would they go out and play a rival like Oklahoma State? Yes, they've dominated that rivalry, but it's a shootout game when they've got to play an SEC schedule. Like, the risk-reward there is just not there for them. Very low. Yeah. yeah. They don't need it. Uh, well, the, uh, Oklahoma State is the most attractive team probably in the Big 12 that's kind of around there. Um, so you know, program know. they're they're definitely the most attractive as far as like basketball so and football could, pairing. They could they could end up in the SEC too, right? That's true. Possible, they yeah. If they expand, Once the Big Twelve just folds. They could go with them. I if mean, it folds, yeah, it's, it's definitely possible. If the SEC expands again, um, mm-hmm. and adds more teams, yeah, for sure. I 
I think here's my dark horse take and could be wrong, could be right. I think we see the NCAA, I think unsuccessfully make, try to make Congress make some sort of move for uh, keeping them in charge of college sports. <laughs> they love going to the legislature. For yeah. the they, they're doing it. They're going to do it for <laughs> the NIL. They're going to do it for, you know, I would not they'll be surprised. Down, they'll get shut down unanimously again. The only, the only two court cases in, in history to be voted on unanimously yeah. <laughs> <laughs> be because it'll be because it, it's weird because basketball will probably keep the ncaa right but football probably in the next four or five years is going to be fighting mm. with the ncaa to get out from underneath it yeah, oh, yeah. It, it'll be interesting i mean they always are going to need an independent body if they're going to have separate conferences yeah to, but the to sec is just going to say we'll be the independent body yeah. Yeah, Greg Sankey's gonna put himself at the head of the It's hard though, you know, I think, NCAA. to get I think it's hard it's gonna be hard to get the other conferences to agree with that, but maybe Right, but then the SEC will just have twenty five teams, who cares? Yeah, if the they SEC have twenty five teams though. Play us, man. That's if play us. I think there's yeah. there's attractiveness to, you know. Cause I mean the Big Ten they're one I pissed. Think the Big they're, Ten and Big Twelve Big 12. Big 10 and Pac-12 are safe for right now. Yeah, and I think they're going to be safe long-term. There's enough... There's enough well, there. I think those are your four... I think those are your four conferences. I think they SEC, divvy them up, and then yeah. that's the way it's going to be. And then that's the de facto 64 team. It'll be a little bit more, obviously, but yeah, yeah like um, that'll be the de facto. Teams. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it'll be interesting. Yeah, probably four twenty-team conferences. What it'll end up being? Yeah, yeah. I, that's what I've thought in the argument I made as soon as this news kind of broke. But it'll be, it'll be interesting. I mean, I just hope the Big Ten doesn't screw this up and I end up being so like the Big too. Twelve because they very well could. I don't think they will. It, the Big Ten, which we're going to get to, I think is going to they're going to have a little bit of a down year, which isn't going to help. But uh, this year at least. But I think they'll be just. I mean, they're a smart enough conference. They understand they're. They they have their own yeah, weight. Sometimes to... too smart for their own good. Yeah. I was gonna yeah. say, what's your definition of smart? Somewhat, but they have enough to push around. Like the SEC has done a phenomenal job of marketing themselves as this, you know, conference of excellence from a, a, a athletic standpoint. But we've seen the Big Ten be the better basketball conference. We've seen them be the more deep football conference at times. Yes, and I know that's gonna piss some people off. The athletes in the SEC are slightly different, but like the 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 depth of the conference as far as quality of play, it, it, there's not a ton separating them year to year most of the time. Yeah. I don't think. I think, and when we talk about, like, losers, like, obviously the Mountain West, the AAC, like, those teams. They could be the winners. The AAC looks better than the Big 12 now. Oh, I, right now, absolutely. Maybe, yeah. You're not going to. You're not gonna be like the AAC is the new power, the new. No, no, no. They're not gonna jump up into the <laughs> right. power five, but like they could be sitting pretty as the uh, the top non power five uh, conference out there. And, and to your credit, what I was about to say is to your point earlier is that if I'm the Big Twelve and I'm going to fight, then I'm going to start trying to take from these conferences. So I'm going to try to get Houston, right? Or mm-hmm. the Memphis you know, UC of the world, Boise, yeah. BYU, yeah, maybe. BYU, Boise. BYU, Boise, yep. yep. Programs BYU, that have Boise, value. Houston, and then they got 
they got themselves going again. And I mean, and those are marquee programs too. Those aren't small programs. They're also programs and that they're can... in the same time zone too. So it's not mm-hmm. like they're yeah they're that. I mean, yes, you have to travel a decent amount, but everything nowadays is a plane right away. It's not. Yeah. It's not I mean, a big they're already deal. traveling for West Virginia too. So if you add, you know, a team further out, it, it helps them from that standpoint. But yeah, and those are all programs that can assimilate to the league pretty well in both basketball and football. Yes. These are absolutely. sustainable mm-hmm. programs that have both. Now, what their streaming or their viewership eyeballs add. Oh, you got to throw that out. There. I don't if know. You're a, but If you're the Big 12, you yeah, got to go for the brand name. At this point, name. yeah, at this point, your, your best bet as, as the Big 12 is what do we add to increase our level of play because ultimately down the road that will help us in negotiating for tv rights if we can incre- if we can maintain a level of play it's hard you can't replace oklahoma they almost got to create but, their own like streaming network yeah Just pull you it have off a chance the cable and do take a risk here yeah that i mean that could be the other right? solution because i mean because i mean they're not going to pull a move like the big 10 did and pick up rutgers just so you get put on included in like 30 million TV subscriptions or something ridiculous because they're in the New York market. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It's going to be, it's going to be interesting. I'm very interested to see how it plays. This has been the most crazy off season for college sports with the NIL, with kind of the new kind of free agency transfer rules and things like that. And then you got conference realignments here. It's, it's going to get hectic. You forget about the college football expansion too. We no, I, yeah. That. Well, that's on. <laughs> no, I know, right? Oh, that's yeah. included in, in this off season. Yes. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> the the Ohio State ODS idea I saw him on television last night, wanting to put a pause on this. I was like, chill the fuck out. Like, this is how we're already going. Like, I get you guys are pissed that Texas and Oklahoma pulled this shit, but like, we're expanding the playoffs. It's in the now we almost have to because of if these conferences are getting so big, you're gonna have to expand them. Um, but yeah, it's it's the benefit of everybody. The dollar rules the day. That's just. It's the name of the game in these sports, and, and that's ultimately what's going to decide these types of things. Yeah. Speaking yeah, of talks. Ohio State, I know that they're sitting at – I know they were already at the head of the table of the Big Ten, but I know right now they're probably sitting at Big Ten tables like, whatever we want, we get. Yeah, and they're going to have – this year's going to be a very strong dominant because the, the Big Ten, I did a break – I started my breakdown of the Big Ten this year, and it – it sort of looks like the ACC light, in my opinion, where it's Ohio State and then everybody else has got a lot of question marks – a lot of kind of, I think there's some mediocre football about to be played this year, which is not, I mean, the Big Ten has historically been very good, but there's just, it's a weird year for the Big Ten, I think. I don't know if we, if we want to dive into this tonight, but we, it's... Just a lot of transition. It's know. interesting, yeah. yeah. There's a lot yeah. of question marks out there for a lot of programs. There's a ton of question marks out there. And when, when you're looking at like the top 10 on who's going to fall and you look at, you look at Ohio State and it's like, no, they shouldn't fall, but like they don't play anybody. And well, is there question marks at Ohio State too? Who, and yes. They have, and now they have Quinn Ewers coming up. He was the best high school quarterback since they said ever. And this is Tom Brady. He's like not Tom Brady, Peyton Manning. Tom um, Brady wasn't that high of a recruit. Peyton Manning. Yes, you're right. You're right. <laughs> Yeah. No, Tom Brady so, was second string. Bro. Yeah, yeah. yeah, right. He, he was, wasn't recruited. He got, got shafted, and uh, they went Chad. They went not Chad Henny. What's his name? Hutchin, uh, the Henson, Drew Henson. There we go. Took me a little while, but um, they went Drew Henson over Tom Brady back then. And 
So who knows? Because Ohio State's got an unknown quarterback. Uh, they lost a ton of people. They always reload. But who really knows? I mean, they, they made it to the college football playoff, but they didn't look that great. Yes, they had COVID and everything. So who knows what's going on this year? Well, yeah. I, Ohio State's in an interesting spot. I mean, we're going to know pretty early what kind of team they look like because they get Oregon in week two, I think, at their place. And that's going to be – Oregon is a team – Oregon has, you know, championship aspirations this year, which is pumped the brakes a little bit. But Oregon's doing some things that I very much like. They're the one of the biggest benefactors of this NIL rule. I mean, people are not talking enough about Nike and what they're going to be able to do in sponsoring athletes at Oregon. Um, and mm. Crystal Ball has done a, a, he has he's intentionally targeted the defense. He hired the defensive coordinator from Cal, which was a huge move, I think, because Oregon's biggest problem the last couple of years is they've been. They've been soft as a cloud on defense. I mean, th- this team is not about that life on defense. And he is he is going to bring an edge to that defense like he did at Cal, where it is going to be, a I think, a big night and day difference. Now, does that translate this year? Probably not. But we're going to see. We're going to know right away. But these two teams that have question marks and championship aspirations, we're going to know right away this season what these teams yeah. look like. Um Ryan Day's in an interesting spot. I mean, he's in that spot you want to be as a college coach, but it also sucks because it is boom or bust for Ohio State. Like, that is where he's at now because they made the transition from Urban to him pretty much seamlessly, and now it is his program. His finger marks are all over this thing, um, or fingerprints. They have mm-hmm. a, The quarterback is the question. I mean, C.J. Stroud is probably going to be the guy. He's the only one that's taken meaningful snaps and has thrown college passes. But the quarterback room, to your point, it's a lot of high-end recruits, but nobody knows what they're going to yeah. look like. And that and is fun. That's an interesting it's, part. It's funny that he had that his last quarterback was uh, Justin Fields, and what was that was the downfall of um, Georgia's program choosing yep. Jake Fromm over Justin Fields, and now Ryan Day's faced with that exact same situation. Basically, yep. he's got one year. He thought it was going to be next year that he was going to have to uh, decide on Quinn Ewers. Quinn Ewers turns out he's already 18 years old. He was like, screw this. I'm going to make some money. <laughs> and he goes yeah. up to Ohio State, which is just an absolutely insane move. Yeah, I also don't... I mean, like, what money is this kid going to make? He's holding a clipboard probably this year. You look at that quarterback room. They have all four or five stars. Like, matter. he is he's an insane recruit. He's going to getting money. You yeah. get money. I mean, he's going to be getting money, but I don't... Yeah, I, once again, I'm not blaming... I would do probably the same thing as him. I, I guess my turn of thought is... I saw a lot of people kind of hyping on this in other circles. It's like... I think it's the right move. He's already graduated high school. Why not? Yeah. For going your season senior year, there are things about that that you might look back on and, and wish you had done. But like, no, it's high school. I know people always say that, but it's high school. Yeah. Like, it, how does that happen though? How do you yeah. get like a full year ahead in high school? That because I don't because they're, they're athletes, so you know you get those. Well, at least that how it worked at DPS. You get, you get those five credits, right? Yeah. When you're an athlete, yeah. you get five credits some extra credits and those credits stack every year so then at the end of your junior year you end up having a whole year's worth of credits that's how you do it there you go huh. that's how they idea. that's how they that's how they do prep school too that's how they have a year yeah. of just playing basketball or just playing whatever and not worried about school work yeah. huh. so like my school was a magnet school so instead of five credits we got 5.5 credits for every class mm. that we pass mm. that you pass with a b or higher right okay yeah this makes sense um yeah i mean the quarterback room is stacked it's just you know what's it going to look like and how good are they going to be it's young it nobody's really taking any meaningful passes the o-line should be good i mean they've got good tackles the interior will be interesting they got playmakers if 
Ewers I'm, doesn't start this year. He transfers, right? Who? I don't know. Eh, don't think? I don't know. Probably Do not. they promise him a second year? Yeah. Like, do they promise him the starting job next year, no matter how things go? I, I <sighs> Probably mean, not, no. it's It's like a Trevor Lawrence situation, too. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I mean, he I may... Think. Like I, I would think. I, I, again, I don't know how good C.J. Stroud is, and I don't know how, how good their... As funny as this is to say, there are other two fives star. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. He's got five stars true. falling out of they, it. They, I, I don't even think. I want to say CJ Stroud was a four star, and the rest of he them was. were five. Yeah. The other two were five star, and then Quinn Ewers comes in, comes in as another five star. Yeah. The the, the so Stroud was a four star. They recruited another five star in each of the last two classes, and then uh, Quinn Ewers jumped up a class. Yep. Yep. Yeah, their their quarterback room is stacked, but nobody, to the point, nobody knows what they're going to look like in college yet because none of them have, outside of CJ, have thrown a college pass. Not a single one. So if I'm Mel Tucker, spend a lot of time down in Columbus. (laughs) Yeah, give me one of these five Picking off the the scrap heaps of five stars. Maybe. (laughs) I think C... statistic that was like, MSU hasn't had a five star since 2000 and... Probably Malik McDowell, right? Yeah, it was like 2000 and, I don't know, nine or something? A little bit later than that, because Malik was a little older. Or, a little younger. younger. Yeah. <laughs> it was ridiculous. I was like, That's, how do you sustain a football program? It yeah. might not have even been Malik McDowell. But, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, and I, it, and I think to, to Ohio State's point, like I said, they play Oregon real early in the season. So if CJ isn't firing, because they are they have championship aspirations once again, I would assume it's going to be sort of a short lease for him. Like, if he isn't going, there are other guys that are going to be right there, depending on how the competition goes in, in camp this this fall, on how it goes. I mean, they've got playmakers everywhere. You know, mm-hmm. Chris Olivier oh, yeah. comes back. Yeah, yeah, Garrett Wilson's there. The running back room is very good. The O-line mm-hmm. is going to be good. They have great tackles. Like, the offense is going to have – they have playmakers once again. They have guys who get out space and can be explosive. Mm-hmm. The quarterback position is the question mark. And if you're not you're not playing well, there are guys that are, at least in high school, were good enough to get the five-star that are going to probably going to get a shot here. I will tell you this. They won't do what Michigan did when they had multiple good quarterbacks. <laughs> no. Yeah, no, no, no. They won't do that. They'll figure it out. I'm saying all that to say Ohio yeah. State will, uh, will figure this out. Yes. Ryan Day's yeah. a good enough coach. He's going to figure it out. The question <laughs> where they're going to be interesting is defense because they are switching. Thank God. If if you're an Ohio State fan, you are thanking the gods that they are switching their defensive scheme. They are no longer going with this linebacking heavy core that when you play in Alabama gets absolutely torched in coverage. They are switching to the 4 2 they lost four linebackers. Linebacking heavy core is fine if you got the personnel. <laughs> yeah, fine, yeah. But you need that extra. They are switching to the 4-2-5. The D-line is stacked, which is they're going to have to be able to get natural pressure um, because I think the scheme is going to be, you know, drop back and not coverage. to your credit. Like, there's not a lot of pass rushing on OSU's defense. No, I mean, they've got... They've got guys returning. They're um, trying to stop you at the line. Yeah, Haskell. Yeah. Haskell's real good inside, and then the DNs. They're returning Zach Harris and Tyreek Smith, who are are pretty decent. And then they got the superstar recruit and Jack Sawyer. It, we'll have to see how they can get pressure on the edge, but at least interiorly, they are going to stop mm-hmm. guys 
with that defensive yeah. line, I think. I mean, you're gonna you can beat Ohio State through the air, but you've always been able to beat them through the yep. air. Yep. But we'll see with this new scheme if that that starts to change a little bit. But it like to your point, that has been somewhat of the Achilles. I mean, even Sean Wade last year wasn't as good as I thought he should have been. And at times he he didn't look like the top prospect that he was made out to be. Like they have struggled through the air for sure. Um, yeah. yeah, so that's Ohio State. I mean, they are there's a lot of question marks with a lot of programs. We've sort of talked about MU and how they're just going to be, they just don't have the bodies to, to be competitive this year. Like Michigan doesn't have the bodies. Michigan state no. is also in a tough spot, but like Mich- got a brand new team. Everybody's new. Yeah. At least with Michigan state, <laughs> they have the built, they have in yeah, the built in excuse transfer. that they have, you know, a, a, a like a one year coaching staff who came in during a COVID year. It's a, Almost completely new brand team. MU. Whatever or, they do is a success. Okay? Yeah, Michigan well, is they a. They do have to do a little bit this year. More win more than two games. Yes. Yeah, yes. and not turn over the ball as much, which was Michigan's oh Michigan oh. State's uh, Achilles heel last year. But Michigan's program is in That's shambles. They're in a yeah. They're in a That's tough all spot. Of Rome territory. Yes, and it's <laughs> it's weird because you look at the offense. They do have J.P. Uh, McCarthy, who's the talented recruit, kind of waiting in the wings there. I guess Cade McNamara is going to get the start, though. But outside of that, I mean, the running back room, the things I was hearing and reading, Donovan Edwards might be the best back they've had in Harbaugh's time at Michigan. He's he's a freshman um, recruit. He could be explosive in space. But outside of that, you look, you go, who who's really going to, is the wide receiver room going to come together? The defense is atrociously bad. I mean, total defense, they were 89th last year, third down conversion percentage. They were 101st pass rush yards per game allowed when 96th rush yards allowed per game, 79th tackles for loss, 119th in the country. I mean, the defense is pitiful. They did fire the defensive coordinator. Here's a crazy thing. Um, where was it? They are moving like they, while they did get a defensive coordinator, it the scheme is probably going to be the same because he's coming over from the Ravens school, so they're probably going to keep a lot of man coverage and blitz packages because that's what the Ravens do in the NFL. So is it called the Viper? What is- yeah, they're calling it the Viper yeah, or something this year. Position. Yeah, they play a ton of man. They're probably going to still play a ton of man, and they don't have the talent on the roster to do that. Like, I don't see how Michigan's going to be any good this year. Do you guys remember, not the last year of Brady Hoke, but the year before the last year of Brady Hoke, how that team felt? This is what this feels like. Yeah. Like the uh, Michigan is like, yeah, we got it. Uh, what is this? Uh, Denar Robinson's second year or third year, second year, <laughs> third year, whatever it was. And it feels good, and they're trying to talk themselves up. This is what this feels like. Like they're going to operate. Not necessarily, because I don't think anybody feels that good about this team. You don't think so? Well, maybe I am. So I will say this: I'm getting it a lot started of to peel, Yeah, it started Michigan to peel off hope here. From Twitter, there's a lot of there's a lot of skepticism okay. around. Healthy skepticism. And by, a, and by a lot, I mean like there's actually some. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's more than so. Normal. My take isn't a hundred percent off. No, 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 no. Some people are like, oh, yeah, Harbaugh's rejuvenated the program. Yeah, like, okay. what was he doing for the past eight years? What has he been doing since then? Robbing the University of Michigan. That's what he's been doing. Right. So that defensive coordinator, Nate, they even asked him, and 
they even asked Harbaugh in the conference in, in a press conference, and Harbaugh was like, "Yeah, I've never really met him before, but he he seemed like a great guy. Uh, my my brother talked him up big times. He's like he's like the linebackers coach that the the Ravens didn't even want." Right. Yeah. Well, see, that's the thing. Like, the, what do the Ra- what do the Ravens do in the NFL? They play a lot of man coverage and they blitz. That's what Michigan did last year. They had the they blitzed the most in college football and they played the sixth most man and they had those rankings in defense. Like, I, I don't see like maybe he is gets more out of his talent. Maybe he's going to be a, a better coach. I don't think so. You're just saying words, Nate. Yeah, but I just <laughs> I don't I don't I foresee how this changes all that much. Yeah, like I just don't see how it changes all that much, and they don't have the talent in the secondary to be playing a ton of man. They just don't. <laughs> what happened to all the four stars and five stars out of Detroit that are five foot ten and run a four six? They're not getting the most out of their talent. Like they're just not. It's Michigan is not getting the most oh, out of their talent right now. Yeah, that's the funny part. They they've been winning the in-state recruiting battles. And I don't know how much longer that's going to last with Michigan State's most recent hire, but um, but what they do is they recruit some of the the top athletes in the state of Michigan, and those top athletes in the state of Michigan are getting four and five stars here, but then the Georgia three stars are way better. Yeah. The, but <laughs> the aren't the Georgia's stars. three stars better, or is Michigan mismanaging their talent? Make also sure both. Possible. Very, very, yeah. very possible. It's a mixture of both. Because when they, because when, when they escape Michigan and go to Ohio State, they do look pretty. Yeah, good. some of them do look great. <laughs> if they or, make oh, and when they end up down in Kentucky or exactly. Penn State, those ones end up looking pretty good. Yeah, I, I'd say it's a mixture of both. Um, for yeah, sure. Yeah, overvalue, over, yeah, having an inflated value because you're playing in the state of Michigan versus also being mismanaged at the. University of Michigan. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'd say it's a healthy. Yeah, I'd say that's pretty spot on. It's a mix. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they're gonna be bad. I I don't. If you're a Michigan fan, like if you're <laughs> a better, be it yeah, they're gonna be bad. Like I just remember, I don't. I I remember sitting here doing this two. I think it was just two years ago now, and Nate was like, Michigan, you better watch out for that. Well, two years ago, that was a completely different program. They had a good team two years ago. Or they had a no. They had they had a what looked to be like a program that was starting to build on something. They had they had a Michigan team two years ago. They had a, yeah, and then a, they a collapsed ten and two, lose to your rivals and and losing the uh, and never win a game that you shouldn't. Yeah, win. I mean they have not won a Big Ten championship. Yeah, I mean the one the one bright spot I guess you could say. <laughs> they haven't been to a Big Ten they championship. Been. <laughs> yeah, Western. I I get that. I'm just saying, the one if you're a Michigan fan, the Michigan State has been the one. Come on, uh, no, but we've been to multiple. So and one two. So hey, at this point, it's Wisconsin, uh, Ohio State, Michigan State, right? With the most like Mm -hmm. modern day big team. So I'd agree. Yeah. So the the one bright spot if you're Michigan is. The season goes to shit, and J.J. McCarthy gets an opportunity to get some valuable reps in early in his career, and you may have something with him. Maybe. No, we saw them do this before. We saw them do this before, and they'll they'll mess around and hurt their quarterback, their their future quarterback. Maybe. I mean, the offensive line was pretty banged up last year. If they stay healthy, they should be better. Um, But, yeah, we'll see. You, no. We'll see. (laughs) I'm just saying, you've got, if you've got a solid, if you're, if, that is my, 
<laughs> the offensive line should be better this year. The running back room is good. Like the running backs they have are good. Um, I thought you just said you. Th- the only one is the true freshman. And- no, no, no. Yeah, Has- you just said you didn't. You said it was question marks everywhere on the running back room. No, no, no. no. Haskins is very good. They're they're starting, and then the guy they recruited, rumored like what I've been hearing and reading is that he has the potential to be extremely good. Like, best back you they've don't had. Don't read anything on the I said the question was the, the... That is the one. The question... I've also heard... Why receivers? Did you say receivers? Yeah, the receiving the room has a ton of... For me, yeah, I don't... I don't... Yeah, I don't know where... How that's going to come together. But the running back room should be very good, I think. The running back group should be good. And it's so funny how they, they can do that, and they can have decent running backs, and then they don't know how to use them. Like that's they, also they just, true. That could also they, they just try happen. and throw the ball when they don't need to throw the ball, and then they run the ball when they don't need to run the ball. Or pitch to the running back. They I set them up for failure. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. what are you doing? That is not untrue. Matt Sharp, Matt Charbonnet is uh is huge. Why are you pitching <laughs> yeah. the ball to him? Why? They run this big north and south runner, and they're like, oh, we're playing against a fast defense like Minnesota, and we're gonna pitch <laughs> the ball out. Yeah. What? Well, it's like Mich- um well, I shouldn't say you guys do not mismanage your your running back, but your running back room at Michigan State. Talk about a team who has an interesting running back room. You bring over the thousand yard rusher from Wake Forest in Keith Walker. You bring in a two hundred and thirty one pound back in Her- Harold Jones from Auburn. Um we might not throw the ball if the running game is Elijah Collins is I was say, yeah, I was trying to think of the other one, the Collins, yes. He was he was a Big Ten like freshman of the year when he was coming up. Then he had COVID. He lost like twenty pounds from having COVID last year in the offseason, so he didn't get an offseason. He was foggy, it seemed like, the whole year when it came to him actually getting some time. So I'm hoping he comes back strong here. Because he showed a lot of flash. I mean Yeah. He was electric back there. And that's I what I was saying. Him being from my high school too, but still, the Michigan State. I mean, the running backs in in the Big Ten this year are going to be interesting. I think there's a lot of teams that have some pretty like Wisconsin's. They were terrible last year, but that that running back group is good again this year. Minnesota has a reliable back. Like banged up though too. Wisconsin? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but mm-hmm. the running backs also weren't your typical Wisconsin running backs sure. last year. Sure. Um, is more what I was getting at. Minnesota's got a reliable yeah, back. Yeah, they had like a 250-pound fullback as their starting uh, exactly. yep. as their starting running back. Oh, <laughs> um, it was it was rough. But Michigan, yeah, Michigan State's got a good group. Michigan State's in a, you shouldn't expect as you guys pointed out. I'm gonna rely. I didn't break them down as much because I'm gonna rely on you guys here. Basically, my big takeaways from this Michigan State team, watching them last year in the brief breakdown, one, you got to quit the turnovers of the football from the quarterback position. That was atrocious last year. Two, can the defensive line get any production this year? They have to be better on defensive line. And can Jalen Naylor step up at the receiving game and make some big plays and be an attribute to this running game, which should be strong? But outside of that, I'm going to leave it to you. The floor is yours for Michigan State because I didn't do a ton on them because it is a young program. I think Mel yeah, very- Tucker's going to build something. The the talk seems to be generally positive. Now my feed is somewhat diluted by you two, um, but I'm going to <laughs> to to let you have the floor on that one. <laughs> I would say if you're trying to evaluate Michigan State, throw out everything that you re- that you that your eye test gives you from last year. It's a entirely different team this year. They were hurt. They were they had COVID. They it it was a mess up here. And then they brought in all of these transfers. The offensive line is going to be looking different. 
this guy, this offensive line coach, finally had a full year to get his boys ready and actually feed them. And some of the transformation pictures that are coming out of there are insane the way that they put on weight, um, cut body fat, and that type of thing. It's just crazy to watch. I do think that they're 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 young now though too. So they're young everywhere except for the defensive backfield now. Um, their safeties are are getting older. Their safeties are more. Um, they're they're. I hope that they return to that no fly zone. I think they have the option to be able to to go back there. Um, and then on offense, we don't know what we're doing as far as whether we're going with the 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 quarterback from Temple or they're going to roll with Peyton Thorne. I mean, who really knows what's happening in that quarterback room? So that stuff's all up in the air. So it is – It is. we have to note that a few, like, uh, local, in quotation marks, so, like, a few publications have said that Michigan State is going to finish last in their division. <laughs> um, and they – I think, like – of all college football teams, whether it is 160 or whatever, Michigan State is ranked like 75 or something right now. I just saw it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh, I do think you have to take those things into consideration. With that said, this is the this is a year where I'm going to turn on a game, or actually I'm going to be at that first game, and that defense is going to roll out there, and I'm going to be like, who are these players? You're not going to. I'm not going to know a single, a, name. a single person, and I think. While that's a bad thing, it's also a good thing because, as Tim pointed out, this is all Mel Tucker's program. This is the start of him, you know, getting his program, his guys, his things in there. And I don't know if there's another team out there who's just like, transfer portal, we'll take everyone and build a team, right? And we'll see how that works. Outside the UC basketball program, football, there isn't isn't a correlation. (laughs) It was was Mel Tucker's only option, though. I mean, D'Antonio didn't leave him with much. Um, he didn't really have an option. He couldn't. If he was looking to rebuild this team and rebuild it the right way, we would be looking at a three-year rebuild. Yeah. I mean, because you got to recruit, you got to get the guys in, and you got to get them playing. So, luckily, I do think the rebuild has been cut down in half. I'm looking at like a good six-win season would be good. Yeah. Um, five would be okay. Three and four wins and start having some concerns on if Mel Tucker's all hype and and just not putting it together from the coaching perspective. So we'll see where they end up. Um, so I'm hoping to see some sort of promise from them. Yeah, I think you know there's a, there's a saying with college football and, and kind of program building. You know, initially expect to lose big, then lose small, then win small, then you got to get going. And I I think when we talk about the Pac-12, UCLA is kind of in that camp. Um, and what Chip Kelly's doing there in building a pro, trying to build a program. I think Tucker's sort of in a similar boat. The program was pretty bare. It's somewhat of, can be somewhat of a sleeping giant. You should, you, you come in during a COVID year. That's already tough enough. I would, exp- I would really almost put this as year one and expect to lose big. If you lose small, you're ahead of the game. But if you're losing big, I don't, I'm not sitting here going, there's a problem right now. No, Next year, if that's happening, yeah, maybe. But, you know, you want to see the program progress each and every year. I think due to COVID, and I am I give this crutch to a lot of people. When we talk about Wisconsin, I give them a huge kind of crutch due to the COVID factor. Um, 
I think you kind of give this to Tucker. The cupboard was pretty bare. You come in during a COVID season. You're you're trying to build a program. There's a lot of new faces in there. It'll be interesting to see, though. You know, one thing that I think will be is how prepared are the quarterback. I think is going to be a big one. Are they making some of the stupid decisions they were making last year? Is the offense, you know, where are they defensively? Um, it'll be interesting. There will be some markers to look for, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't expect huge things just yet. No, that's why, that's why six win seasons the ceiling for me. Um, it's not. I'm not looking for anything crazy. Oh, so, yeah. so we will see. We'll see how they end up doing. I'm looking for some things that that shows me that they actually have some athletes on the team. Um, looking to see some talent. And if they can show that they're starting to get talent in the door and they're starting to show flashes, it doesn't their record really doesn't matter to me. As long as they beat that that other school. Yeah. I I think the other thing you want to Again. see too is if you're it's also how you lose. Because you see this when with Indiana when they're building their program. And you saw this with Tom Allen. Those players bought in early. And they they mm-hmm. fought in every single game. I remember I went to a game where they had no business being in it. It was um, the year Michigan was had like Chase Winovich. Um, it was like a good program, and they took them to like four overtimes. And they had no business doing that, but they fought. And that, I think that's I think if you're a Michigan State fan, that's what you're looking for is what kind of mm-hmm. fight does the team have, and are the guys buying into the program? Because when you when you look at Indiana, who is going to regress this year? Everybody in that building's bought in. Everybody's ready to go fight every single day. And I think that's sort of and you saw that in Tom Allen's early days. I think that is something you're looking for with Tucker is are the guys bought in and are they fighting? Even though they're not very good, are they fighting each and every game? Are they staying into some games that maybe they shouldn't have been staying in as long? Things like that. Um, I don't know if you have anything else before we we wrap that up on Michigan State. I'm going to talk about two other teams, and then we can kind of either end it there or go on from there, but I think it is relatively important because they are the two teams. One team, I think, is in utter disaster land, and they don't even know it. Like, there's silent gas going off, and you can't smell it, and the alarm isn't going off. And then one program that's in, they're in an interesting position. We're going to start with the interesting position, Wisconsin. They went 6-1 last year. or they're, I'm sorry, they're 6-1 they're to one odds to win the conference. Um, they are the, the favorites coming out of the West. This team offensively, we talk about some stinkers. This team was bad. Now, granted, Graham Mertz did, you know, he started off the season with a damn near perfect game against Illinois, but then he did have a shoulder injury. He he got COVID. He had a rough out with that. The wide receiver core wasn't great. He got banged up. So we give some leeway there, but this offense is easy to get going. I heard a stat today. The offense only had six plays over 30 yards and more than 490 snaps last season. That is atrociously bad. Now, maybe you chalk it up to COVID, a bad offseason. You have a new quarterback, new system. You know, this year it's got to get going, though, because the O-line is going to be very, very good. Graham Mertz has got to get going. Chris, honestly, sort of has to get it going, too. He's taking over the... He's coaching the quarterback position, and he's calling the plays offensively. They got to get going because... They are going to have, sort of have a hindsight 2020 here, thing here because they got Jim Leonard as the defense coordinator who is going to get another job. Right now, he's turning down a lot of opportunities. 
but he very much well is deserving of a job. And you're going to have a situation where this Paul Chris is recruiting better for Wisconsin. They're not a bad program. But they're not progressing in the area they should be when your head coach is an offensive minded guy and they're not they're not playing up to that. Um so they're an interesting they're an interesting group this year. I mean Graham is out here getting Panini money. So, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe that'll translate to the field. Maybe I mean he looked he looked very he looked good so that first good day. right before he got COVID. Yeah. yeah. Like I'm gonna chalk some of that up to that. I'm gonna kinda give him the COVID crutch there. And, you know, he's going to have Jake Ferguson at tight end who's going to be a safety blanket for him. The running backs are going to be better this year. The offensive line is going to be damn near elite, if not elite. Um, One of the best in the country, I think. And the defense, luckily, you know, Jim Leonard coaches the hell up out of the, the secondary. They get the most out of that group, even though the talent doesn't necessarily fit with what their production value is. They're returning a ton of their defensive players. They're top 25 in returning production on defense. Um, They have a great linebacking court. So I think defensively, they're not going to play a ton of tricky offenses this year. So they're going to be good, I think, and solid. It's just that offense. It's just what, what is that going to look like? They got a wake-up call, though, last year, right? Graham goes down. Yeah, I think Wisconsin, I think they retool. They have the tools. That they don't need to retool. They just need to do better. Yeah, they just need to execute offensively. <laughs> they just yeah, need to do better. They just need to play better. I mean, it's kind of like you know, it's kind of like MSU basketball. The talent is there. You just have to play better. <laughs> Sometimes they just need to take those, take their lumps, and um, turn it right back around. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I, I think they're they should play better this year. I I think they are. Rightfully so, the favorites out of the West. It's just, what does that offense look like? Because having six plays plus thirty yards in four hundred ninety yeah, steps is that's pretty bad. Um, coaching them on offense, D'Antonio. Yeah, like this is <laughs> this is bad. You can't have that in today's day and day and age like that. Oh, we know. Uh, we yeah, know. <laughs> we know. We know. Man. We know. I'm well aware. That's fair. Years. Watched it for five years. Um. <laughs> All right, let's talk about this program, and then I'm kind of good to either you know talk about anything else you guys want to talk about or, or, or call it. But I think there's a program in this conference that has a gas leak, and it is it's getting deadly, and that is the Penn State Nittany Lions. I was a big James Franklin fan. Here is why: I didn't realize this until I put it together. Like I really started looking at it. James Franklin is on his fourth OC in five years. There is no offensive identity, and the decision making he made this year in firing his OC is suspect to me. They bring over the OC from Minnesota in a COVID year. No spring ball, no spring offseason. You have a wacky offseason last year. The offense was bad, but it's he fires him right away. And now you're on your fourth OC in five years. You have no offensive identity. The quarterback play is not increasing. The recruiting class is good, but I think this is going to be a very bad year for the Lions. I mean, they're going to have a winning total, but I have some big concerns about James Franklin. I I don't. I think Penn State is I'd... fine. Here's here's. I know you said that they don't have an offensive identity, but they do. Their offensive identity is whoever is better, the cornerback or the running back. That's what we're going to do. That's the mm-hmm. offense we're going to run. Um, and they do that well. They figure out who their best playmaker is on the offense, and they run their offense through that. Their their recruiting class. Also, phenomenal. 
I just don't I guess I can't see them being bad this year. On paper. On paper, Nate. So, yeah, I'm not seeing it, Nate. I am I'm kind of with Dante on this. Stay with um, me here. I've never really been behind James Franklin, but um, over the past couple years, and especially with the way he's been recruiting, I don't really have a reason to go against him either. So the recruiting class is great in 2022. I, I don't disagree yes. with that. But you've got an O-line that is sort of iffy right now. They have no name starter at center. Like, they don't have a starting center currently, which is sort of an important position to have in the Big Ten. Um, the offensive line's iffy. The wide receivers, I don't know necessarily who's going to step in this group. Tight end group is good. Running backs are good. Clifford is a problem. He had he was bad last year. Very bad. I mean, he was their leading rusher, I think, if you take away the sack yardage on that offense. He airmailed a ton of passes. His footwork is piss poor. You he is really more of a game manager than anything. And they didn't put him in that spot. Maybe that's why they fired the OC last year. But to continue to rotate through OCs, especially on a COVID year, does not bode well for my ability of thinking of James Franklin being able to manage this program. Yes, he is recruiting very well. And defensively, they're going to be interesting. Um, And they have a tough opening schedule. I mean, they got Wisconsin, Ball State, and Auburn, which isn't super tough when when you think like, all right, but you got you go to Wisconsin. That's not an easy game to win. If you look ahead to Auburn, Ball State's a decent program. They, I don't think they're going to catch them, but they could give them a fight. You're looking at maybe starting one and two to start the season because you're probably going to lose to Wisconsin, I think. And then Auburn, mm-hmm. we're going to see. I think that's going to be a dog fight. Like I think that's going to be a very tough fight for them, especially when you have some issues going in online. You don't have a great wide receiver core, at least right now, I don't think. And you have a quarterback who quite frankly is more of a game manager than anything, who's going to have to rely heavily on his tight end uses. And the offense, who the hell knows what this is going to look like this year? They're once again in another new system. There's no stability offensively year to year. And I think that is a problem. You make solid points, Nate. I just don't be surprised if if the Nittany Lions are like, (laughs) <laughs> 10 and 2. And I mean, here's the other thing too, defensively. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, defensively they they did Parsons hurt opting out last year. But they allowed at least 30 points or more in their first 5 games last season. Now, down the stretch, their opponents dropped that total, but they weren't playing the best offenses. So like it, I think Penn State, I'm not saying it's terrible. I'm just saying that it's concerning right now. And if they don't get it under control, I think this is a program that could regret, like, yes, they have insane talent, but the lack of stability in scheme and system year to year, especially offensively, is very troubling to me. Yeah, I guess, too, if if, if we if they do regress, they got a whole crop of kids coming in the next year. So that is not untrue. Yeah. And like I said, they have an insane talent pool. Yeah. It's just, it's that question of are you getting the most out of your talent? And what stability can you? Because a because a coach that that in that indecisive on offensive coordinators. Because one, you're hiring these guys, and then you're firing them right away, is somewhat of a troubling. And I'm a, I'm I like James Franklin. I think he was a very good fit for Penn State. It's just yes. cons- the fire alarms are starting to go off. I think a little bit on the Penn State program. To me. So you heard it here, ladies and gentlemen. Nate said James Franklin is on the hot seat. I don't think he's on the hot seat. I think there's pressure. <laughs> I think there's pressure to get it right. Because if you get this OC wrong again, what, you're going to fire another one and hire another one? 
Like that's not sending a good yes. message. <laughs> yeah, that, but that's exactly what he's gonna do. Yeah, I yeah. So that's why I'm saying I think there's pressure. <laughs> I think the pressure is building, not on the hot seat by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, they're gonna have a winning record. I mean, their win total is hovering around nine. I just don't think it's gonna be a Penn State typical season, and I think pressure is gonna start to build, and people are gonna realize what's kind of going on with Penn State. Yeah, the recruiting classes are really good coming in. He's selling the program great. I was a. That's literally my point was about to say was about to be is James Franklin making Penn State money and you just the absolute the answer to that question is absolutely yeah so that and that's so, fine yeah maybe you tampered the expectations a little bit but I have some concerns okay. there um like by no means I don't know I'm not a Penn State fan I never even been to State College so I don't know if they have aspirations of winning a national championship right I don't know what that fan base is like right? I would say yeah. Definitely competing for Big Ten championships, and I think Big Ten, yes. And absolutely. I think, they, yes. <laughs> and I think they do want to get back to their winning ways, and because they are a historical football program, they do want. No, no, no. That team that that historical football program went away with their scandal. That football team. I agree. Exist anymore. And once again, Bill O'Brien and James <laughs> so Franklin. Should, so should another one. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> that that so uh, yeah we don't we talk about Penn State now today. You know, whatever. I don't know, Nate. I do do think they have national title aspirations, and I think that's where they're trying to go. And I I, I think Nate's right. If they have another, or if they have a down year this year, Mm -hmm. people will start to question James Franklin. But I just don't see it. Yeah, I'm just saying there's some silent gas. I'm not saying that they can't get out of the building and save it. I'm just saying there's a pressure building. Watch out. Yeah, it's watch out. It's... There are some red flags starting to pop up when I looked into this of like, okay. oh, wow. things And he's a defensive guy, and the defense was not good last year. Once again, opt-outs hurt in COVID mm-hmm. year, but it wasn't very good last year. And the offense wasn't very good. So it's like, yeah, you're recruiting really well. You have great talent coming in here, especially in 2022. That recruiting class is phenomenal. But the indecisiveness with OCs, the inability to have an identity there, in today's college football, it's tough. It's a tough look. Do they have people behind Sean Clifford? I don't know. I didn't look at the. I I just know he's the starting guy, and he was. Oh, he's a senior. He was not good last year. Like he was really, really bad. Um, he is a game manager. Now, if they do some things pre-motion snaps, he's going to have some safety in the tight end. The tight end position should be good again for them this year. The running back should be good. Running back. Yeah, the running backs will be good. The offensive line has some question mm-hmm. marks. It 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 could be good. It could be bad. It's. It's sort of up in the air. They have a lot of open competition there on the offense line, which is not something you want to really see. Um, but that's not necessarily a terrible thing. Um, it's just, yeah, it's it's an interesting situation, I think, in Penn State that is not being talked about nearly enough, in my opinion. And I like James Franklin. I think he's a good coach. I thought he was a great coach, and I was, I'm was a big fan of him. But when I realized that, it, it and I dug into it a little bit more, it is, it is cons- it was a little bit more concerning. Than I initially anticipated. So you're telling, you're tell, you're saying Mike. Wait, is that their new OC? Yeah. You're saying Mike, don't unpack all the boxes in your office. Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. At least some of them. <laughs> yeah, maybe don't move the family just yet. <laughs> yeah, don't move the family. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Um. All right. Did, I don't know if you wanted to cover any other teams. You had any other questions about? Of course, teams. we want to talk about Minnesota. We gotta talk about Nebraska. No, we don't oh, want to cover Minnesota is about to be bad. <laughs> uh, Minnesota is in an interesting spot because, like, 
I don't know what their their defense is bad. I mean, there's no real place for them to fall. And offensively, God only knows what they're going to look like. Um, their offensive line is huge, which is good. Tanner Morgan's back, but it's because of a rumor I saw that says PJ Fleck is looking for his next job. I would not be surprised by that. <sighs> yeah, and then oh, Nebraska is really? terrible. Yeah, I saw that. Where do we like think that he's days. trying to go then? So this is weird. So what where I saw was that. Yeah, where could he go? But what I saw was that it'd be a lateral move, but maybe not now since like uh, the big this Big Twelve stuff. But I saw one the other day that PJ Fleck basically wasn't happy at Minnesota. Mm, interesting. You know, uh, uh, moving to the scum down the road. Who knows where he, he could go? <laughs> He'll have some offers if he decides he wants to to put some feelers out. I do. One thing I did kind of forget to mention, we didn't talk about Iowa. I think they're 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 a they're a very put you to sleep. They're boring. Team. Boring as hell. Yeah, they need to they need to get up to the 21st century. Um I saw this insane stat. I wrote it down. They are 51 and 6 with 100 plus yards rushing. 2 and 15 if they don't get 100 yards in a game. I believe it. Um I've played them enough times to know. They are yeah, they lost a lot on offensive line. The quarterback is an interesting part. But the one thing that I don't think, and he was rightfully fired. I'm not saying he should be there. But one thing I didn't see or hear a lot about is the role of losing Doyle as the strength coach because Iowa's biggest strength has been their trench play. And a lot of that goes to the strength and conditioning coordinators. They spend a ton of time with those guys. They spend the most time in the building with them. That that team has always been extremely physical, like they they play almost like an SEC team on the offensive line and defensive line at times. Mm-hmm. I do think that is going to hurt them, and it was the rightful move. I'm not saying they should have kept him; they absolutely should have fired him. But it, nobody seems to be factoring that in to the outlook of the the Iowa program going further. And I think it's going to hurt them a little bit. I do. I think the fact that he was there hurts him more than the fact that oh, 100. percent. I just think the outlook on this team, I think this team is going to be different than what we normally have seen. Once again, should have been fired 100% and would have hurt them staying I mean, he ended up getting a better gig anyway, right? Uh, well, then he got fired. Yeah, from, well, he got let go. More that, uh, yeah, I'm going to think, I think it's going to hurt Kirk Ferentz more that he kept him around for as long as he did. That is also true. Well, it also just hurts that he's running a, an offense that was from like the 1920s. But yeah, yeah. Um, I just think it was an interesting. I heard one one the nineteen twenty <laughs> the one podcast talk about it, and I thought it was an interesting note of like, yeah, he was a big part of their success. He is now gone. And you don't I'll, think that's that, that you can replicate that? You don't think someone was there, like, maybe watching? I just know I strength know. and conditioning I guess coaches. I don't know how like those how important. I mean, I know that they're important, but they're, I guess I don't know like those techniques and stuff of those um, coaches. Do they not translate to someone else? And I feel like there's got to be a bunch of guys that can come in there. It's possible. I just know the doing. ones, the programs that have extremely good strength and conditioning coaches, lock them up, and they are a big. And Nick Saban will say this. Kirk gave Doyle a ton of credit. Ohio State gives their guy a ton of credit. Oregon because they spend the most time with these kids, and so yeah. now once again that that is somewhat of a detriment in this situation but it was a positive in some way in the way he got them conditioning. Just like coaching, there are differences in guys, I mm-hmm. I think, at that position. Now, does the guy who was behind him step right in and fill it? Maybe. 
right. it's just a wait and see. It's it's one of those things where I'm really just pointing it out of like this will be interesting to watch to see if there is a decrease mm-hmm. in that kind of trench play and how big of a role did he play because the word around the street is he was a huge part of that. We're going to kind of yeah. see if that's true or not. Ladies I guess it's really the point I'm I was trying to, to make. ask the uh, simple questions so that you don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that's really the point I'm trying to make. Is It's going to be interesting to watch to see, was he such a ginormous part of their success like they gave him credit? And if so, what does that look like? And if not, you know. I hate to be like, I think Iowa's plug and play. I really don't know. but They I, kind I, of I don't are. know. Yeah, I feel like that. I feel like they are plug and play. They are a little bit. It, and that's why I think he he comes into play a little bit more because of just how... And you heard about this when guys get drafted from Iowa, how they almost... In some schools, this is true. Some schools, this is not. They're able to step into conditioning programs in the NFL mm-hmm. and be good right away. So, And you hear that about Alabama. You hear about that at other programs. So I think that is where it'll be interesting because they've always had that. Yeah. And to see if that's replicable. Um, but yeah, I think I you're right. I mean, they don't do anything crazy offensively. They don't do anything crazy defensively. They are a big, like, bend, don't break defensive team. They try to keep everything right. in front of you. It is plug in, plug out. I mean, they don't get great recruits. Like, it's, yeah, it's it's Iowa. It's it's the they same thing. They don't need them if you, if, yeah. <laughs> they all just stand there and they don't move. Yep. I agree. <laughs> I very much agree. Um, that's all I got. Oh, NBA free agency. Jeez, this has been a long one, guys. We are just busting through things. I don't know if you have anything, but it's just your early reminder that NBA players have the best life as far as money goes. I mean, there are guys out here, mid-level players, signing for some outrageous numbers. And ev- you know it digs at every athlete, every sport, when they see the NBA numbers come out of like, they're making what now? But it- I don't know about baseball. Come on. Well, baseball. yeah, maybe about baseball. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Baseball's up there too. You're right. You're right. But uh, it is. It's just crazy. But yeah, it's an interesting landscape right now. I think that one will have to wait for the dust to settle a little bit more. But it's it's an interesting one. Yeah, it's interesting because teams are like uh, team reporters are releasing graphics of like who's joined what team. But like like you said, the dust doesn't settle, so they like release a graphic of like oh so and so is on this team. But then you will see that they've already been traded away. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> What are y'all doing? Are, did y'all just? Is this your first free agency? Yep. Like this, ha- this is going to continue to happen every year. <laughs> um, I'll tell you this right now. I like the moves the Bulls are making. I think the moves that the Lakers are making are, are hilarious. Um, and I think Lowry to the Heat is an interesting one. Also, Chris Paul just said, "Give me all the money," which good for him. Yeah. But the Suns, yeah. the Suns handed him a big old bag. Um, what four year deal too? <laughs> Yeah, I feel like he was like, ah, I might go see what the Lakers are all about. And the Suns were like four years, $120 million. He was like, excuse me? <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> yeah. Take it. Is Chris Paul going to be our um, our Chuck? Is he going to be Charles Barkley? Oh, man. Mm-hmm. I think Carmelo is kind of right along those lines, too. I, yeah. yeah, but if – yeah, I, I – I agree, um, and that's why Carmelo went to go. I'll say he just went to the Lakers. Lakers. <laughs> yeah, Lakers. Been... You thought the load management was bad with the Lakers this past year. Just wait now <laughs> with the guys they're adding this season. What load management's going to look like for the Lakers? My goodness. Um. Yeah, it's. I think we'll wait till the death settles. We'll cover be. it, but it's been it's been interesting right off the bat to say the least. I, also, the Celtics are just putting together a team of old. I, I, we're just deciding to get all players who used to play for us and re-signing them to the Celtics. So that that's always interesting. Well, we took Kelly Olenek from you. 
That is true. I, there was a rumor we were going to sign him again, and like him, and um, we brought in Harf or Hartford, obviously. Um, Horford, Jesus. Um, and who was the other guy they thought about? I heard a rumor signing. It was basically like the team from like four years ago. Like, what are we doing? <laughs> <laughs> Let's this go right back to where we started. Yeah, this doesn't seem <laughs> like progress. Bring Hayward back. Yeah. Also, poor Bradley Beal. Just <laughs> that man. <laughs> <laughs> It has to be some sort of curse. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's rough for him, but you guys have any other final thoughts before we wrap this up? Well, I'm glad we didn't have to come on this podcast and say, Well, Team USA is out of the Olympics. So much has been going on since we've last been all together. Yeah, Team USA. Thank God Kevin Durant has just decided to be like, I want I'm gonna remind everybody I'm the best basketball player in the world and just take over because We'd be in we'd be in a bad spot without it. Yeah, no, we would have lost the span. I, I mean, when I turned it on, they were down by eleven or twelve, and I was just like, "All right, I'm not watching this. <laughs> 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 watching. This is ridiculous. We pay y'all millions and millions of dollars a year. That person on that team is going to go back and work at a regular desk job tomorrow. Yep, he should not be beating you, <laughs> dude. It's bad. I know the world is caught up a little bit here, but like at the end of the day. What are we doing? Like this, still be this is our sport. No, we still shouldn't. I, I, I agree. The world has caught up, and and there are more NBA players on other. Yeah, but teams. this is still our sport. This is ours. This is the United States sport. Yeah, yeah. Like you should not need a coach. No, to be honest with you. we we should be good. And I know the rules are different, and it's it, the NBA players. Put the ball in the hoop. Yeah, I was going to say, at the end of the day, it's just <laughs> it's basketball. Guys. We're more athletic. We're bigger, faster, stronger. We can shoot better. It's not that hard. Yeah. Not that hard. You're getting, last night they were getting beat. Was it last night? Night before last night? Whatever. They're getting beat by pick and rolls. <laughs> I thought I was watching college. I mean, it they does. They run that every day. Yeah. I, it's one of the reasons Carmelo does so well in the international circuit. The game does resemble a little bit more of a college game, and he just oh, l- very much so. lights it up. But yeah, at the end of the day, it's yeah, like. That mm-hmm. mid range jumper. That's that's why the mid range is so deadly in college and clearly here in the Olympics, because you break those presses. You break those. Yep. You, you just kill the other team's defense with those um, mid ranges, which, again, you see Team USA shooting from half court sometimes. I don't know what's happening. I'm with you, man. I am with you. Um, any other thoughts before we wrap this up? Sorry, I just lost my train of thought. No, that was just ranting about Team USA. Yeah. They play Australia at like midnight or some shit. <laughs> I'm not watching. <laughs> I mean, I'll be up, but I'm not watching. <laughs> I mean, it's just better for me not to watch. Yeah. We got the AFC West preview coming on Friday. It's been a good one. It's good to be back. We'll get more out to you here. We'll go through college football a little bit more here. Also talk some NBA free agency once the dust is settled. We got some good content coming to you guys' way. But as for now, that'll do it. And as always, peace. Peace. peace.